Welcome, or welcome back, to Pre-Arb Excellence, a roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. COVID has switched me to major league games this year, but players develop at that level as well, until they no longer do. If you have questions about this episode, Cubs development, anything else along those lines, fire away on the contest line at Tim815 on Twitter, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Nick Castellanos and Systemic Cheapness, and ask me questions if I was confusing. We spend our time where it's valued, and I don't wish to waste yours. Nick Castellanos and Systemic Cheapness. That's the topic today. But I want to start with a little bit of a side swipe. I'll do that on occasion. Sometimes things don't go as they ought. Perhaps you think that wealth should be more evenly distributed. Or perhaps you think that in male-female relationships, personality ought to be valued as much as or more than beauty or power. Perhaps you think that there are so many things. Maybe you think that uh, music ought to be more about the music and less about the dance ability slash Um, hotness of the person in the video. There are a whole bunch of things that you can object to in society. Things that, you know, it probably shouldn't work that way. It should probably work in a different fashion. And whichever angle makes sense to you, roll with that. Maybe you think that the legal justice system ought to be different and There ought to be more punishment for this and less punishment for that. Whatever. I'm not even going to get into it. A lot of times there's things where, hmm, the way it really is isn't really the way that it should be. Whatever angle of society works best for you along those lines, think about that for a couple of seconds. Think about that for a couple of seconds while I Bring back up Nick Castellanos and systemic cheapness. A lot of Cubs fans are upset or were upset about cheapness in the front office this offseason. Nick Castellanos had a very great half a season last year. And Cubs fans wanted him to stick around. I understand why. With the designated hitter coming to the National League, he would have been even more useful because Victor Caratini wouldn't have to DH ever. You know, they, they'd have that Castellanos instead of, what, Steven Souza? Yeah, I think that would be a reasonable talent-for-talent talent swap. However... When people say 
the Cubs front office or the Cubs owner has been really cheap. How is that being defined? How, what, by what measure is that being played out? I, I, I've never, but the Cubs are a big market team. Okay, go, go further. Please explain to me how based on ounces of liquor sold or ounces of beer sold or number of jerseys that a person sees when they're walking. How do, how do you decide how much the Cubs should be spending per year on payroll talent? What, what, what is the mathematics behind it? What is the logic behind it? What is the, what number do you come up with and why do you come up with that? Then remember, back to things aren't always as they should be. Perhaps the Cubs should be spending more. Maybe yes, maybe no. I will say this, though. Major League Baseball has started punishing teams more for going over limits. If you go over a limit, and you sign a qualified free, qualifying free agent, you lose twice as much in international spending as if you weren't over the limit. You also lose, in certain situations, an extra draft pick because you were over the limit. If you don't care about international spending or the draft, then that's probably by the boards and you don't really care. But it is a punishment, it is a penalty for doing something that apparently 23 of 30 Major League Baseball owners and probably the commissioner don't want the team to do. So amid a pandemic with a whole lot of uncertainty out there, how much should a team be spending on payroll in 2021. What's the number? Why that? If you have a number, you have an explanation for that number, let me know. Tweet me. Send me a tweet. Tell me the Cubs should spend this much on payroll. And, and what's the number? And why that specific number, not some other number that's a bit higher, a bit lower, whatever. Cubs ownership has decided they're willing to spend just under the limit where teams get punished for going over the limit. Now, perhaps baseball would be better if teams like the Cubs, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Red Sox, the, you know, list the top 12 teams, whatever. They were all over the limit. Perhaps baseball would be better that way. Perhaps it wouldn't be. Perhaps the Cubs would be better that way. Perhaps they wouldn't be. Adding Craig Kimbrell hasn't helped a whole lot. Adding Brandon Morrow didn't help a whole lot. Tyler Chatwood's pitching well this year, but his first year, he was getting everybody to holler designate 
him for assignment because he's killing us. And you Darvish wasn't a whole lot better in 2018. The, the amount that an owner decides to spend is the amount that they decide to spend. There's not what the fans want or call for or wish or write articles about or vent on Twitter about. Immaterial. Absolutely immaterial. Is that the way it should be? Maybe yeah, maybe no. But when I have people who, when I say, it appears the Cubs ownership and potentially the front office want to spend just below the spending limit, regardless whether you agree with the punishment being severe or not, they want to spend, if it's 214, they'll want to spend 213. If it's 220, they'll want to spend 218. They want to spend just below it. Maybe that's a good idea. Maybe that's a stupid idea. I could make arguments for either one. But it seems the goal for Cubs management and Cubs ownership is to spend a bit below whatever the limit is. Now, again, you might say that is being cheap. Okay. I, I, I won't argue it because cheap is one of those words that you define for yourself. And if I tell you that your definition of being cheap is wrong, oh, our conversation's about done. Because you're convinced that your definition is right. And if I'm telling you your definition of some word that's kind of a little bit vague is wrong, well, we're, we're not going to have any discussion because uh, I've um, impeached my credibility and that's all there is to it. But it's not Nick Castellanos and the Cubs ownership being cheap. This is about Nick Castellanos and systemic Cheapness. When the number is decided upon, whatever it is for 2021, let's say it's $220 million. That's, that's the limit, and everybody's going to want to try to be just below that. Or a lot of teams are going to be want to be just below that, and a lot of other teams are going to be way down lower. That number is usually come up with because there's a negotiation between the 30 owners. Some owners, Boston, New York, Los Angeles Dodgers, want the number a bit higher because they're more willing to pay. And teams like, oh, the Royals, Tampa Bay, Oakland, they want the number lower. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, they want the number lower because they really don't want to spend a whole lot of money on their baseball team. 23 of 30 wins. If you, whatever 23 of 30 decide, that's going to be the number. And they'll sell it with the players and it'll work. Is that a good thing? 
Dunno. Maybe it'd be better if the number was higher. Maybe it'd be number of, better if the number was lower. Competitive balance. Big market teams winning all the time. Whatever. Systemic cheapness, though, is not the Cubs were unwilling to pay Nick Castellanos five years for $82 million. That's not systemic cheapness. That is Cubs ownership and Cubs front office coming up with a number that they're not willing to go beyond. That's not systemic cheapness. Systemic cheapness is owners as a whole, just about all 30 of them, coming up with stupid ideas to save money that hurt the product. And you're probably thinking, if you've listened a while, you're probably thinking, I'm about ready to go off and rant about a whole bunch of minor league teams getting cut, eliminated next year. And I, I, I would talk about that, and I'll probably talk about it again soon, but that's not my topic for today. It's a decent case for systemic cheapness. Very good, very valid, very applicable. But this angle of systemic cheapness is slightly different, but no less absurd. This season, teams have a 60-player pool. A bit, uh, a bit under 30, around 30, I'll say around 30 are at the major league site. And the rest are at the alternate training site. That's the term now. I, I'm trying to say alternate training site more because that ATS, that's the, that's the term that's in use. The Cubs have an alternate training site in South Bend. So the Cubs have their 28 players on their 28-man roster. They have a handful of guys on the taxi squad who they're with the major league team, presumably getting paid major league per diem, but they're not on the major league team. They're on the taxi squad. They're sitting around waiting for somebody to get hurt. So let's say you have to have at least one catcher. And for right now, the Cubs backup catcher is Jose Lobaton. So his job is to go out to the bullpen. <laughs> catch all the pitchers out there, and if something happens to anyone, either Wilson Contreras or Victor Caratini or Josh Fegley, who the Cubs don't want to bring in with a four or five run lead in the seventh inning when Wilson Contreras gets kicked out and the only other option is to lose their designated hitter for the rest of the game, the Cubs decide they'd rather lose their designated hitter for the rest of the game and have Josh Fegley sit on the bench. If you're not going to come in in that sort of a situation, the team really can't have a whole lot of confidence in you. But that was yesterday's podcast, or this morning's other podcast, whichever way you want to look at it. The guys on the alternate training, uh, the guys on the taxi squad are hanging around with the parent club, probably getting major league per diem, but they're not getting major league pay. So you have the 28, you have the guys on the taxi squad, which is somewhere between three and five players. I'm not sure what. Teams don't have to announce who's on the taxi squad. So you have 
you have those guys who are just hanging around. They're not they're not with the major league club. They're not with the alternate training site. They're just there. They're hanging around in case they're needed. So if you end up needing a guy, if somebody ends up tweaking their knee in batting practice and they're going to go on the disabled list, well, you already have their replacement there. It's just a matter of filling out the paperwork. So, okay, that gets done. So what you have is you have the major league team, you have the taxi squad, then you have the alternate training site. And that's it. There, there is no other anything else. So you have the 60 guys. The 60 guys will usually be the 40 of the guy, 40 guys from the 40 man roster. You won't necessarily have all 40 of them because there might be some guys that you'd rather just not even bother with that are on the 40 man roster. Manuel Rodriguez wasn't invited to the 60 man player pool. He's still on the 40-man roster, but he's not working out with the, at the alternate training site, and someone else gets to take his spot. So, basically, Dakota Meccas is taking Manuel Rodriguez's spot on the alternate training site. There you go. So, okay, you have the alternate training site. How much do you think it would cost ownership? to have a second alternate training site for all 30 teams. Now, not all 30 teams are paying for all the other 30 teams. Each team is paying for their own 30 guys. So basically, you're adding, you're adding a couple of things. You have, for instance, the Cubs could have Cole Roterer and... Um, Richard Gallardo and, you know, different guys, different positions. Um, Ethan Hearn could be getting some chances to get better. These guys aren't necessarily ones who are going to be in the major leagues next year or the year after. They might not even develop. But if you had an extra training site, then Andy Weber could get to play. Zach Short could get to play there would be that those extra 30 spots for players to be able to get better over the course of the season now how much do you think for each team that second alternate training site would have cost the team each team you know pittsburgh chicago cleveland the marlins Oh, by the way, with the alternate training sites, I haven't heard any of them having any COVID problems. None. I have not heard word one about it. If there had been a problem with the Phillies having a problem at their alternate training site and having a whole lot of COVID issues, we'd have heard about it because there's enough people that want to talk about COVID anything. We haven't heard about it. It sounds safer to have an alternative training site than to have a major league team. Think about that for a second. It appears, based on evidence that we've seen, it's safer to have an alternative training site than it is to have a major league team running. Now, why would that be? You're not flying on planes. 
And more than likely, the players aren't going out to any places that they're not supposed to because if you have a player at an alternate training site going out to somewhere they're not supposed to, they'll just get sent home. They're just done for the year. How much do you think it would cost for a team, Cubs, Royals, Pirates, Giants, Cardinals, Brewers, to have a second alternative training site? My guess, league minimum is what? $550,000 a year? Is it maybe $600,000 a year? I, I think it'd probably be in that sort of a range. I think an owner could probably have a second alternative training site the practices will be during the day, so you don't have to do a whole lot with turning the lights on. If it's really bad weather, you don't play. If it's, you know, it, it's, it's warm, you should have sunlight well into the night for however long you want to do it. And it seems so far like it's been rather safe. So what, what would be the downside of spending $600,000 a team to have a second alternative training site and you have not only 25, 26, 30 more players getting a chance to get better during the course of the entire summer, but you also have a more realistic pool of players to select for trade deadlines. Everybody has to be at the alternative training site to be able to be traded. If teams have, right now, teams don't have a whole lot of guys that would be of interest to another team and they would be willing to trade in a season that might be done in three weeks because of COVID. Nobody wants to trade a stud prospect. Cubs don't want to trade Miguel Amaya for a rental and get the first or second seed in the National League just to find out that there's going to be no playoffs. Nobody wants that. None of the team, none of the 30 teams are going to want to trade long-term pieces for rentals. And that's what a trading deadline's all about. Trading short-term assets for long-term assets. That's the entire goal. But if you only have eight or nine true prospects out at your alternative trading site, that makes it really tough to make a trade. So if they would have had a second alternative training site, the trade deadline would have been more interesting. Players would have developed more. And all it would have cost was eh, $500,000, $600,000, $600, somewhere in that range probably. Now, that's not like blaming ownership for not spending $82 million on one dude for five years. That's completely different. The premise of spending five or $600,000 to get your second and third tier of prospects to get better this year with proper training seems like something you would want to do if you're interested in improving your baseball organization. No. That's what I want to have them do. But because of systemic cheapness in ownership, 
That's not happening. There's one alternative training site with 10 or 15 prospects that might be traded. You know, maybe, 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 maybe someone offers a really good piece to the Cubs. Maybe they might consider trading a Corey Abbott. Maybe they might consider it. It's not that they line up to do it. They might consider it. They probably say, yeah, nah, no, 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 thanks. Thank, I, I appreciate the offer. But with ownership in Major League Baseball, wealth retention is more important than putting a good product on the field. That's a tough one to get down your craw. You get that piece of meat that just doesn't swallow properly or... If you're, um, maybe you're, um, you get a gob of peanut butter or something and it goes down wrong or maybe it's just something as benign as, uh, you have water going down the wrong pipe. You know, you're trying to talk while you're trying to drink and the water goes down your esophagus and that's not how it's, well, it, it, it go, it go, it's supposed to go down your esophagus, but it actually goes in, you know, the other way and, uh, like in your lungs or whatever. I don't know. But um, the way baseball works, owners don't want to spend any money they don't have to. And as long as fans are fighting that tooth and nail, what? You think that owners don't want to spend money? They should spend. Maybe they should. But until, for instance, Cubs fans start to realize that part of the reason to exist, I think there's a French term for that, raison de whatever, part of what Tom Ricketts is going to do is stay just under, ideally. Just under. Now, that might mean that in a couple years, Javier Baez is gone, or Chris Bryant is gone, or Anthony Rizzo is gone. Maybe there's a trade this offseason. Who knows what will happen. And it might be because of money. Because Tom Ricketts wants to stay just under. Now you can get red in the face. You can get angry. You can run your car into a tree. But that's not going to change that Tom Ricketts wants to stay just under. If you want to deal with how baseball is how baseball really works as opposed to barking up trees that don't exist. Realize you don't have to like, you don't have to, heck, you don't even have to accept it. Owners don't like to spend money unnecessarily. And each owner has his own mindset on what he's willing to spend. I, I'm I'm doing my uh, holding my palm out and keeping it under a line that is in front of my eyes. So Tom Ricketts wants to stay under. So now if you're trying to be a hopeful, productive fan who's adding to the discussion, not subtracting from it. 
If you're trying to just make a spectacle of yourself, that's fine. Have at it, but you're not in reality. Reality is Tom Ricketts really doesn't want to spend over the limit. So if you want to get to a point where, hey, maybe they should try this. There's somebody on my Twitter who comes up with ideas. I don't buy into them. I don't think the trades he comes up with will necessarily fly. But at least he's coming up with some ideas. So many people on social media think they're trying to help. They're saying, the Cubs are being cheap. They don't want to spend $82 million on Nick Castellanos. Owners are a lot cheaper than that. They don't want to spend jack on anything. They don't want to pay minor league players. They don't want to have the minor league franchises anymore. And they didn't even want to have a second alternative site this time around. So their players who really could have benefited from having a half a season in good weather against quality competition... They'd just rather not spend the money. If owners don't want to spend, if 23 of seven, uh, if 23 of 30 owners don't want to spend $500,000, $600,000 to make the product better over the next four or five years, <laughs> excuse me, if they don't want to spend six figures to make their product better, over the next three or four or five years. Why in the Sam Hill do you think an owner would want to spend 11 figures on a on one player? When that's going to put him over a limit that you know he doesn't want to go over. When I say, I don't think Tom Ricketts wants to go over the limit. So when I assess the off season and I try to figure out what they're going to do, I'm going to try to figure out ways that they can do some things to improve and stay under. People blow up at me because, oh, you don't want him to spend it. Well, it doesn't matter if I want him to or not. He's not going to want to go over. So if you're going to say, last off season, the Cubs really ought to keep Nick Castellanos. Okay, fine, fair. And, and with the designated hitter on incoming, that would have been a really good call. And they didn't do it because they were over. Over is something owners don't want to do. It's kind of like the when people go out to the club on a Friday night. Well, when they used to go to clubs in 2019, because nobody goes to clubs anymore because... That would violate social distancing protocols. But people were usually interested, men were usually interested in the really attractive ladies and the personality. Eh, maybe eventually they'd figure that out. But usually it was the it was the looks, it was the figure, it was the breasts, it was the whatever. That's the way things generally tend to be. With baseball owners, they don't want to spend money. So if you're going to try to figure out how should they attack the upcoming offseason, acknowledge that spending matters. It does, and it's not just the Cubs. If it were just the Cubs, 
29 teams would have said, hey, let's have a second alternative training site because that'll help us have a better product in the future. And only the Cubs would have said, no, nah, that's a stupid idea because we don't want to spend any money because we're cheap. The reality is 23 out of 27, 23 out of 30 teams didn't want to spend money, and it might have been more than that. Owners in baseball, there is systemic cheapness. Following the Cubs, you are following one of the teams that is less cheap than most teams. So if you're into spending on free agency, and a lot of people are, you picked a good team. You backed a good horse. Because I think that ownership will be a whole lot closer to just under the limit, doing the palm out thing again, than a lot of teams will be. And if you want them to be significantly over, well, that's not very likely. And whether I think that's a good idea or not is entirely immaterial. If you want to be in the real world, sometimes it's a good idea to grasp how the real world is actually doing things. And I'm encouraging that. At least the thinking part. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll try to post another podcast as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to make sure that that one is worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs go. And be nice to people.